This episode is exclusively brought to you by Enjoy the Ride Records. They specialize in high-quality reissues from all of your favorite bands. Visit their website at enjoytheriderecords.com. Here's the episode. Welcome, everybody, and here is another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins. Welcome. Come pull a chair. Let's hang out. We have a very cool guest. Not going to lie, weird conversation, but cool guest in the form of Jake Snyder, the vocalist of Minus the Bear. More on him in a minute. I got a ton of business stuff to get out of the way, so let's just dive right in there. You probably heard at the top of the show, we have a sponsor. We love when people find this show valuable enough Do you want to invest in it, partner up with us? And that's exactly what Enjoy the Ride Records has done. They're an awesome record label from Long Island that, like I said, specializes in vinyl reissues. Let's just run through a list of cool stuff they have coming out in November. They have the honorary title, Anything Else But the Truth, Dream Theater. Yeah, how about that? Corn, self-titled. I remember when I got into that record when I was like, whatever, 13, 14 years old. That was heavy. And then they have Kevin Devine, Live at Looney Tunes, Cute is What We Aim For. And they have, since I'm a huge fan of soundtracks, they have a really cool soundtrack coming out from a movie called Bridge and Tunnel, which features all new tracks from Long Island artists like Bayside, John Nolan from Taking Back Sunday, Vinnie Caruna of the movie Life and I Am the Avalanche. So much rad stuff. So basically, you need to check out this record label. Visit enjoytheriderecords.com. They've been a strong supporter of the show for a long time, and they decided that they wanted you to know about this rad stuff that they're doing. I've bought stuff from them before. High quality. You're getting the best of the best when you are buying from them. So check it out, and I promise you will not be sorry. So there's that. Last episode was our year-end spectacular extravaganza over two hours, which is a long time to listen to anything. But for whatever reason, a lot of you like that episode in particular. I I can tell that there are people that don't listen to probably, I would say, 90% of the shows that we put out, but really pay attention to the year-end episode. So thank you for that. But I screwed up. And fortunately, I had one of my friends email me and was like, hey, dumb dumb, that record came out in 2013. And I was like, oh, so the Iron Sheik record, Great record, but that came out in 2013. I, for whatever reason, was looking at the wrong information and I screwed up. So technically that record should be out of the rotation. You know, that's it's just my mistake. I just wanted to make sure that you, the listener, knew that I, I, I messed up from time to time. And, uh, you know, we're all not perfect. So uh, that was a correction and omission standpoint. I also want to plug really, really good friend of mine and friend of the show. He appeared on actually one of the most downloaded episodes of all time. Tommy Rogers, the vocalist of Between the Buried and Me, released his own solo record called Modern Noise. It's really, really good. So go to any digital provider and you can find it. Tommy Rogers in iTunes and Spotify and audio, whatever way you consume music, he has vinyl for this release as well. So that's that's what we do here. We support the scene. <laughs> 
there's one more thing that I, I had to get off my chest, particularly because it happened to me this morning. Every week on Fridays, I get an email from a person who compiles a bunch of iTunes reviews that this show has got from a worldwide perspective. So I got a really negative review on iTunes. And um, it's so weird because it's one of those things where it's like you feel like you're doing a good job at something and you're just kind of plugging away and people are saying nice things to you, saying nice things online and you feel like some momentum is being had. And then all of a sudden, something like this comes up where the person basically was like, you suck at interviews, uh, you interrupt people, you don't know your information. Uh, I tried to listen to a few and it's just straight up worthless. Something like that gets put in front of me and I just, I trip and I'm just like, oh, okay. You, you try to ignore it, but that just, it just sucks. And I, you know, I, I get where a person like him or her is coming from, where it's like they've they've tried to get into something and straight up just don't like it. Like, for example, me personally, I am a devout listener to podcasts. There is a podcast from a megastar <laughs> named Jeff Garland. He, you will see him alongside of people in uh, Caribbean Enthusiasm. He's a movie star. He doesn't give a shit about my opinion. But I tried to listen to his podcast and I just can't get into it. He talks to really cool people, but, um, you know, I don't feel like it goes anywhere. I feel like, uh, you know, he says a lot of the same things over and over and he just relies on these, these, these verbal crutches that I know that I do myself. So I'm not really throwing him under the bus for that. But anyways, if I were to leave a review for him, I would probably say something to that effect. But I, I don't. I just don't want to put that negativity out there where it's like, you know, uh, do I need to put a one-star review on iTunes? And I'm not faulting the person that did this for this particular show, but it's just, I don't know, it, it questions so many things, not only about myself, but then about the nature of us living on the internet. And uh, yeah, but needless to say, I, I'm going to move past it. I just had to get it out there. So, you know, if you feel like this show sucks, I get it. That's totally fine. And I appreciate any sort of constructive criticism. I am cognizant of the fact that I sometimes jump in on guests. I, I try I try to learn. But realistically, that's me as a person. I'm always going to kind of, for lack of a better term, dominate the conversation. I don't do that here. I let the interviewee lead that conversation. But, you know, I try to steer it in certain directions. But anyways, enough of that. Let's talk about Jake. Jake is the vocalist for Minus the Bear, and I was obsessed with Minus the Bear for the first couple years of their existence, like just devoured all of their material, saw them, honestly, on their first EP, I think I saw them like five or six times. I, it, they were one of those bands where I would see them in LA, I would see them in San Diego, I would see them in Orange County, wherever they were playing, I was there. I'm going to fault a lot of this, this interview being kind of weird and different on myself, because basically, you know, they were in the middle of promoting a B-Sides release, which is called Lost Songs, which is a great collection, by the way. They're in the middle of a press cycle. So, you know, a publicist reached out to me. He's like, hey, would you be interested in having Jake on the show? And I was like, I don't know him personally. So sure, this sounds awesome. I would not have a connection with him otherwise. And, you know, sometimes when a person is in the middle of a press cycle, I am just a name on an interview sheet. I am not anything special or particular. And, uh, you know, sometimes that can be to my disadvantage because obviously this show is meant to be kind of something different than just your average interview. Uh, I don't think Jake was expecting the sort of conversation I was trying to have with him. So needless to say, it's a little bit weird. We get interrupted a few times and it's not the smoothest interview I've ever done. I will admit that. But we got to some interesting places and we did unturn some stones that I don't think have been turned for him in quite some time. So without further ado... This is my conversation with Jake from Minus the Bear, and I will talk to you afterwards. What did you do? What did you do? 
Minus the Bear first released uh, your your very first EP. It was one of those things that I was already previously interested in what you were doing after uh, State Route 522, Sharks Keep Moving. was already a fan of what you were, you had going on. And then cool. when you decided to uh, you know create this super group, I was like, oh, I'm all in. How could I not like this? Botch and sharks keep moving great combo <laughs> and so you guys kind of you know you guys played I'm, I'm based in southern california you guys played down here a decent amount during that time and mm. i was i was uh i was shocked that so many people immediately took to what you guys were doing mostly because i felt that your previous bands went relatively unnoticed and no slight against you just that was kind of the, the the climate of the scene so to speak was it weird when you started to play out with Minus the Bear and have people like, hey, there's people at shows. Like, this is interesting. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good thing. I mean, it didn't really start immediately. There were uh, a few shows with a couple people at them, even after a couple years of nationally touring and whatnot. But it was an interesting place to start from because we already had like a booking agent and a lawyer and we had the EP recorded before we played a show. So on the way, we were just, you know, kind of... Like, let's do this. Let's see what happens. Was that a deliberate decision in regards to kind of, you know, because usually when people do the, you know, whatever, second or third band, you feel like you have a better grasp on the business side of things. So was that a deliberate move that you guys were like, let's see if we get this set up properly. What can happen with it? Yeah, definitely. We wanted to just make sure that we had our ducks in a row. That's it, basically. We wanted to have an agreement between ourselves and friends. So we wanted to make sure that it was easy to stay that way. So sure. Yeah. Setting it up with a little bit of a, an idea towards the future, I think was definitely helpful. Sure. So it wasn't like, Hey, so the next four years, we're going to be playing to negative four people a night. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So you yourself, were you born and raised up in the, uh, the Pacific Northwest as it were? Where did you, uh, where did you come up? Yeah, I was born in Seattle and lived on the East side over East side of Lake Washington over in uh, Bellevue and Woodenville. And then, you know, right after high school, moved out to back to Seattle. There's not that much differentiation between the suburbs of Seattle, besides like once you travel south to Tacoma, that's a whole different beast. But uh, is there much differentiation from the suburbs to the city besides, I mean, the, the obvious cultural uh, trappings that are, are featured in the city? Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's kind of a, a, like once you get outside of Seattle, it's just much, you just get that total suburban vibe, flip-flops and baseball hats. It's uh, cargo shorts. Yeah, it's the city's trying to be as metropolitan as possible. So, what was your family structure like? Brothers and sisters, and what did your uh, what did your parents do for a living as you were uh, growing up? I had a, I have an older sister. She's two years older than me. My dad was a uh, owned a furniture sales dealership, like a office furniture dealer. Oh, okay. And so, uh, your did, did your mom work, or is she just taking care of uh, you guys at home? She took care of the kids. Very traditional. Very traditional family. Yeah. Subur- suburbs, white picket fence, taking care of the family. Yep, they're a little <laughs> older. So, so as you as you started to uh, grow up in the uh, the suburbs, when did you uh, when did kind of you know independent music start to infiltrate your uh, your life from that perspective? Um, basically, just through skateboarding and and all and that kind of thing. Like, um, heard older you know my friends' older brothers' cassettes while we'd skate at their houses and. Heard the Descendants and Social Distortion and a bunch of stuff and then skate videos. Mm-hmm. Huge exposure to that kind of. A lot of it was SST stuff. Sure. Husker Du and yeah, some weird big drill car and all. Right. And, was it uh, just being from um, obviously the Pacific Northwest and being exposed to the SST scene? Was it? Uh, did you? 
kind of mythologized Southern California just because all this uh, interesting stuff was sort of, you know, coming out of there? Not, not really. Um, not really. I mean, they even had, like SST had Soundgarden also at the same time. So sure. um, there was kind of a little bit of a Seattle connection there. And then there was, you know, up in Seattle, there was like CZ Records that had um, Tree People and um, sure. uh, Coffin Break and you know, a few other bands. I think Hammerbach. So, uh, and I was, you know, my friend gave me a, you know, Nirvana bleach on cassette and stuff. And that was pretty punk at the time. So sure. Yeah. It was, it was kind of not being, you know, just submerged in the scene here or the, or the music coming out of here, but definitely that influence from skating and snowboarding videos. And yeah, a little bit of that SoCal thing going on. Sure. Sure. A while ago. How old were you during this time? Between 13 and 15. Sure, sure. This is an observation, so correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you, in, in not only the way that you've always presented yourself musically, and just but just kind of, you know, being in the same rooms as you, you seem like an extremely laid back dude. The, you know, the connotation of being drawn towards, you know, aggressive music or, or subcultures, as it were, doesn't typically, you know, go together as far as like the, you know, laid backness and the aggressive nature of music. Is it, is it one of those things that you were uh, uh, more discontent as a, as a youth from that perspective? Or was it, you've arrived at where you're at right now, the laid backness as it were? Oh, I've always been a little bit laid back. I think that really disappointed with the music I heard, you know, when I was growing up, like top 40 stuff, I just hated most of it. And all the kind of underground punk or um, even metal, like, was pretty interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like I was listening to, you know, Metallica, Megadeth, and Slayer at the same time I was listening to Descendants and Bad Religion. It was all one, it was all one genre of music that wasn't being obviously featured on, on the radio or shown on whatever, you know, MTV at the time. You know, all these different things that were, I guess, on some level, a little bit anti-establishment. Mm-hmm. Did you uh, did you ascribe to any of those uh, anti-establishment beliefs yourself as you were uh, you know matriculating through high school? Like, did you uh, cause trouble, and did you uh, you know kind of you, you make your parents scratch their heads as far as like, dude, what is what is Jake bringing home? This is some weird stuff. They've always been supportive of the whole music thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think that there was a lot of like the straight up rebellion. I thought that you know at the time in high school, late high school, whatever their form of rebellion. I was kind of, I was a straight edge kid. Mm-hmm. So that was like a form of rebellion against like the drunk jocks and whatnot. Sure. So, um, so there was that, but, and I had to listen to all that straight edge hardcore as well. Of course. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> well, That's part and parcel. You gotta, yeah, that was part of the deal. I think it is interesting when you, you adopt, you know, a straight edge lifestyle when you're in high school, how you feel in some respects that that, gives you a pass with your parents because you're like, Hey, I'm not doing all this other stuff that kids are getting into. So I should be allowed to go to, you know, shows four nights a week or whatever. It's a trick. Yeah, it it is. It's a, it's a nice little ruse. And then you hit 21 and you're just like, okay, I'm not straight anymore. That got me through that time. Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty, pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and so were you, like you said, your parents were supportive of, of the musical path you started to, uh, you know, show an interest to, um, why do you think that is? Were they just generally supportive over whatever you were passionate about? Or was it one of those things that they had musical interests themselves? So they were kind of like, Hey, that's cool. Like, go for it. They had, I mean, my sister was into horses, which is a lot less involved in music. So I think that they were happy to pay for some guitar lessons and help me out with a crappy red Squire Stratocaster or whatever back in the day. 
Right. I don't know. I think that they thought that my habits were a little easier than hers. Yeah, and I don't think that they necessarily thought of it as like a uh, future career for me or anything like that. But they're like, oh well, it, this is this is cheaper than buying him a horse. Yeah, and it's you know music's good for the brain or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so some books have told me somewhere. So they say. Yeah. <laughs> so then, what, what was your what was your sort of uh, career path, as it were, as you uh, you know started to get get near the end of high school? Like, did you have any uh, you know interest in doing stuff in a professional world? I did. I just didn't have any idea what it, what that meant at the okay. time. I mean, there was no internet to speak of that would illuminate that for a kid my you know that age so uh-huh. um just it was just kind of like i was probably 18 or something like that when state route went on tour the first time mm-hmm. and so went got the book your own fucking life magazine from fallout records and started calling people and booking shows i mean it was it's a very you know it seems a little naive but that's just kind of the way that you have to start I think at some like at some level you just have to begin. Right. Yeah, it's like a lot different than the already having a booking agent and whatnot that we do now. State Route started when you were uh, what a junior or senior in high school? Probably right after high school. If I okay. Remember. And do you uh, you know obviously nostalgia has its way of you know painting uh, our, our our views as far as uh, you know the farther we we are away from our first musical projects. Uh, you know it's 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 a very appealing thing. Uh, do you, do you look back at the, that time fondly as far as like, oh, yeah, putting together those, uh, you know, seven inches and touring uh, up and down the West Coast as, as a formative experience? Or was it like, well, I'm glad I made those mistakes early? <laughs> well, yeah, it's totally formative. It's uh, you learn a hell of a lot of stuff about, you know, kind of about what it takes to be a touring musician um, and kind of how bad it can be. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting situation at that level when you're just calling people and booking shows at somebody's house or something like that. But Mm -hmm. um, I guess I look back on it fondly. Right. (laughs) It's like, uh, it's, it was fun. Met a lot of people that I still know now. So, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I definitely think there's something interesting about the, uh, the notion of, you know, DIY, you know, punk or hardcore, indie rock, whatever Mm -hmm. label you want to put it on there. You do develop these weird friendships that last for, you know, 15 years when, you know, sometimes people that, that don't have that experience find it weird, you know, staying at someone else, someone's house that you don't know. Yeah. I mean, you sleep on, I mean, this is kind of minus the bears experience in Europe at the beginning, um, just sleeping on people's kitchen floors and, you know, roughing it that way. No money for even a hotel. So state route, you got, you guys played together for what, two or three years or was it a little bit? Yeah. A couple of years, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Did you feel like there was any, uh, momentum in that as far as like oh we can take the next logical step up and release a, a full length or something like that or is it pretty much just like let's let's put one foot in front of the other put one foot in front of the other yeah not a lot of thought i mean not that i remember you know not a lot of <laughs> ideas about making it big or anything like that yeah just um, chilling playing some music which is essentially what you're doing now as well right yeah so it's the same thing <laughs> it, it seems like in watching your tracing the lines through your, your musical progression it, it just sounds like the uh whatever from the transition from state route to sharks keep moving to obviously what you're doing with minus the pair the as you've grown older the sounds have uh for lack of a better term like smoothed out it's obviously not as uh you know uh whatever, for lack of a better term, like jangly or uh, aggressive. I presume that was just a function of your, your songwriting ability or was that just uh, your your own personality obviously coming out and what you were writing? It was just our 
ever-increasing maturity coming to bear. Yeah, to bear fruit in the smooth adult contemporary realms. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that the five of us, we're like trying to balance the whole hard, soft thing these days. Um, like more for our own taste than anything. I don't think we think about a lot of, you know, how much, what's it like? We don't think what's it like now more. We just kind of want to do something that, that's like that we want to play stuff that we want to play over and over basically. Sure. And the, um, some of the smoother stuff is, is part of that. Like, it's just kind of nice, you know, reflects our, you know, grown influence or different influences that we've developed over the years and whatnot too. Yeah, sure. And something that always struck me too about, especially when, when minus the bear began to exist, you guys reflected this, this sense of humor that didn't really particularly exist within the, the context of, of, you know, indie rock as it were. It's like, you guys seemed like you were, um, you know, especially from the long song titles and kind of the, you know, silly album names and all that sort of stuff, you know, early in the band's career. I presume that was very deliberate to be like, okay, like we take the music seriously, but we're kind of goofy dudes. Yeah, and we were, we were of the mind at the time that, you know, all these songs that people just call them whatever the chorus is or whatever, mm-hmm. just, just boring. So let's do something a little more fun. And it became kind of a ridiculous drunken thing to do, like... You just hear somebody say something absolutely asinine and you end up, somebody says, oh, that'd be a rather good song title. And then we, you know, write it down or whatever. Write it on the whiteboard and say, oh, that's dicks, I guess. See if that works. So technically, most of those song titles uh, were were just terrible jokes that ended up sticking. Yeah. As things started to become more serious from a, a, a sort of career standpoint, from Minus the Bear's perspective, when did you uh, when did you yourself start to feel like it became a, a thing, so to speak, where it was like, oh, wow, like, this is pretty serious. Like, I guess I guess I, I should write my uh, occupation down as a musician, you know? When did that start um, to occur in your head? I, there was kind of like a, a leap of faith just knowing you know what what we wanted to do and i was in telephone sales at the time which wasn't that fun um <laughs> i like how i like how even in describing telephone sales you're gentle about it oh, yeah it wasn't, it wasn't that fun no it, it probably, wasn't that fun but it, it was wasn't probably, that bad either it could have been right. <laughs> okay um actually uh, i don't know if you know rocky Votolato, but he, of course yes he worked there with we were on the phone selling stuff um, i can't i can't imagine rocky being a very good salesman he was pretty good were you a good salesman i was okay i wasn't i wasn't like i was okay i was good right you <laughs> okay I, I beat my numbers most of the time well, that's good that's good you always gotta you always gotta worry about those numbers yeah yeah i was doing that and uh, not really digging it so and the band was going at the time basically uh thought it would be interesting to just kind of quit my job and see how things went over the next few months with the band and just getting married. My fiance was totally supportive and she said, you know, we could probably make it work on what I earn for a little bit of time. So give it a shot. What record time frame was this? This is like 2000, 2001. Okay. So relatively earlier on something I also noticed as well, especially in regards to the uh, immediate attraction of people to the band was the fact that you guys were a quote unquote, a technically proficient band. A lot of times when bands become known for their technicality, they kind of fall into that band's band category where it's Mm -hmm. like, they're good dudes. We like to tour with them, but they're not worth any tickets, but they're fun. Like they're fun to hang out with. 
Right, right. You guys kind of grew past that, but people still seem to really concentrate on the fact that you guys, you know, like, oh, dude, they're shredders. But it's becoming less and less of a thing now. Was it nice to not talk about how to play your songs in interviews after uh, after a while? Yeah, definitely. Um, to talk about the thing as a piece rather than talk about, like, technique or something like that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when you're writing songs and as a as a group of guys i think that um you know it gets when you when people focus on just technique it's it gets a little bit samey we still hear that bands band thing and, and whatnot yeah but it's also you know we are also the people's band <laughs> you know right we've actually we do when we play major cities we can get people to come out on our own Oh yes, yeah. Yes, and it's it's great. Like I mean, it's a really cool, diverse fan base. Kind of, I think, captures a lot of different. Like people grab onto different aspects of what we do, and that's you know what I think that does help to draw and helps us continue on. I agree. I think it also obviously makes you guys have a longer shelf life, where it's like you don't have to worry solely on like, all right, we got to keep the fourteen to eighteen year old kids in the door. And kind of pull different people in from different musical genres to you felt like that really opened you guys up to a lot of people who had no clue who you were yeah definitely yeah we had some I mean, we've had people at most of the shows on the last tours a couple at least that will come up and they'll be you know a little older than our traditional uh clientele but that's mm-hmm. where they that's where they heard of us and that's yeah, awesome it's kind of ideal you know when when you did make that uh that leap in your own head uh, in regards to okay, like we're gonna give the band a serious try. Um, that had been, that that was the first time that you had ever done that with any of your musical projects, right? Mm-hmm. Were you, even though you had the support of, of kind of everybody around you, uh, was it still pretty terrifying for you to be like, okay, I guess this is what I'm doing? Eh, I guess could have been scarier. Your your responses are so are so even keeled. <laughs> I, I am I am. <laughs> you're very unflappable. Okay. Oh, not, not, not to say that the questions I am, I am throwing at you are trying to flap you by any means. It, it goes back to the laid back nature that I, I'm, I'm placing on you. Yeah, I'm a little laid back. It's true. Again, you're not saying you are laid back. You're just I'm a little yeah. laid back. I'm not, I'm not fully admitting that. I can't say. <laughs> yeah, you're just. Are, are you seething right now? I apologize. No, no. I, don't, I don't mean to. I don't. I'm kidding. Oh. Like you were alluding to earlier, you know, uh, talking about the different you know musical genres that you were you were kind of going through in your own personal life from obviously like straight edge hardcore to um you know indie rock and all that stuff um how have you personally kind of kept the um i guess vigor and passion alive in regards to you know uh, honestly caring about independent music even separate from your band or do you kind of try to really keep those worlds separate where it's like yeah i like music but i'm going to go back to the the classics that i like so to speak and not pursue too much new stuff yeah, I don't really listen to a lot of new stuff. Uh, a few bands that I dig these days that are contemporary, but uh, and not that I don't like a bunch of bands. It's just that when I listen to music at home, it's usually something else. Like, right. yeah, stuff that like <laughs> a lot of the stuff that I missed out went out on when I was being too into punk rock and ignoring like the radio music that was actually pretty awesome because you were supposed to ignore it. I find it interesting too that in in looking at your uh, you know like your Twitter feed you have a very um, you know you're very political in the sense of you have views and beliefs that you know aren't necessarily you know espoused by either fellow musicians that are involved in in you know music or whatever. Um, whereas like we were joking about your personality doesn't necessarily 
uh, indicate that have a have a strong stance against these things. Do you do you find yourself, uh, you know, being more interested in this at, or more interested in the, the political side of, of our world? Or has that always been kind of um, something that has has always been an interest to you in general? I've always yeah, I've always been interested in it. I think the way it's, it's interesting being like a grown man, like nearing 40 and whatnot um, and seeing like how ridiculous everything is. You know, how stupidly everything is done and the wasteful, just the waste, wastefulness of the process or whatever. It's just things seem like common sense don't generally happen in a commonsensical way. So, you know, like the way the justice system works, as we've seen in the past like couple weeks and actually for, you know, since the drug war started, the police have changed, you know, just from being kind of there to to protect us or to, you know, fight crime and whatnot to a kind of, it's us against them, this war mentality that, you know, war on drugs began and the 9-11 war on terror kind of exacerbated and whatnot. So, I mean, it's mm-hmm. just, but it's like, you know, you, you, you can read the constitution and you know that you're not, police aren't allowed to behave the way that they often do and politicians aren't. And Did you find yourself like, you know, when you first started to get into like, you know, punk and hardcore and stuff like that, do you think any of that is left over? Like that sort of like discontent that obviously bands of that genre, you know, tend to espouse. Was that something that kind of started to plant the seeds back then that kind of carries you through now? Yeah, totally. Totally. I'm just not necessarily so anti-disestablishment that I can't um, try to make, you know, hope that things can get better using the tools we have now. Sure. You know, not like some kind of 15-year-old, uh, like the an- anarchist mentality or whatever that some right. people grow up in and God forbid they turn into libertarians or something. Sure. <laughs> so, so you weren't uh, uh, dumpster diving, uh, food not bombs, all that sort of stuff? No, no not really. Do, do people uh, communicate with you in regards to the, uh, you know, political beliefs that you, you espouse? Because uh, I just find, I, the only reason I, I hit on that is because it, it's not, honestly, it's not typical for a, a person to, um, you know, kind of speak out on a, on a regular basis, um, you know, via their social media, unless it's something that's like so universally accepted. But you seem to kind of, you know, whatever quote-unquote push the edge of like no this is something that i believe in and some other people i want to open a dialogue about this yeah definitely i mean my beliefs aren't radical or weird or anything like that and they're not i don't think extreme i mean maybe that's because i grew up in seattle and one of you know it's a very liberal uh culture here but um but uh yeah i mean none of these things you know that i've ever really talked about online seem contentious to me at all like when it becomes contentious like if somebody does reply um with their issues with a claim i've made or something that i pointed out um i'm always surprised by it i mean so and then i look at like their profile and then it'll say like mother warrior right quilter jesus you know i don't know things that don't necessarily uh match your sensibilities Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm anti-authoritarian to you know in in the point where I don't think that the authority has rights over your body and and what you can personally do with your time and whatnot. You know, your body, sex, none of no nobody's business for sure. So, I mean, you know, you you've got. I don't think it's radical to say that the right wing is totally fucked up and wrong about homosexuality and like climate change and evolution. So. These very reasonable things. It's like, well, what about the rest of it? You got to keep looking, and 
it's all just about as reasonable as that stuff anyway. Right, right, right. Yeah, you're like, I feel like I'm I'm talking, I'm I'm saying common sense things, but oh yes, there are people that think that I'm I'm batshit crazy by saying this. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I mean, I'd say that a lot of the people that, that think I'm batshit crazy also think that you know the Earth is six six thousand years old, or that uh, dinosaurs are a trick put here by Satan, or something like that. So right. not really, <laughs> right. you know, or they're you know, or if if it's something like. You know, I get into it with anti-vaxxers too. So if it's something like that, you know, make believe people just are, a lot of people are willing to believe things that fit what they want rather than what the data says. Sure, and sure. I usually follow that. Right. That's, a, and, that's your guiding principle. Yeah, for the most, yeah, for the most part. <laughs> yeah. Did you, uh, speaking of religion, did you have, did you have a religious upbringing at all in regards to, uh, your, your, your formative years? Uh, no, my my parents took us to church until I was, I don't know, 10 or eight or 10. And I said, I didn't want to go anymore. Right. You're like, it's too, it's too early. Yeah. I, I got to bail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I, I've noticed, I've noticed that, you know, more than one person like over, you know, in preparing for speaking to you that people have like pulled random, um, either lyrics or song titles and been like, Oh, so you're, uh, you're a spiritual person, right? And your response has always been, funny because i mean i'm just listening to the or not listening i'm reading these interviews and you're always like oh yeah no (laughs) (laughs) and i i find it funny that people seem to be searching for something when nothing is really there do you find that that people um project a lot of stuff on you yeah totally i mean just because i'm an atheist doesn't mean i'm not allowed to use the word god or talk about like some of the you know cultural mythology there or whatever so i you know i can see how people could think that but i mean if you I hope that if you don't cherry pick lines, then it would show you that most of the time that religions portrayed a little negative negatively in my lyrics. Sure. So yeah, you're like, if you read one more sentence, you realize that this is it's, it's a whole picture. I'm painting. Mm-hmm. Where you're at now in your your sort of musical career is that uh, you know the since you've had obviously a lot of experience from you know the touring aspect and obviously a lot of spirit a lot of different experiences within the context of recording studios. Um, they obviously both have their merits, but, you know, is there one thing that you tend to prefer over another? Is it the, you know, do you still enjoy touring? Because touring's tough. Like, anybody that hasn't toured doesn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> is it still, um, especially now, obviously, because you have a family and there's more, a lot more reasons for you to obviously spend more time at home. How does that all kind of sit in your head now? Yeah, especially now. It is really difficult with the kids, and I've got the three-year-old and a little four-month-old girl too. So it's just more challenging because you don't want to leave and it's practically challenging because you have to figure out how you're going to have support for your wife while you're gone. But touring's better than the studio, I think. Uh-huh. Studio's a little torturous for me. Sure. Little, I don't know. It's fun to create music, but it's fun. I like the practice space writing part, but sometimes the studio can just be relentlessly boring and um, also well, I, I, you know, I've, challenging. It, so. It's Yeah, it's rough. It's also, especially from a vocalist perspective as well, um, I, I sang in a bunch of hardcore bands and I always, my, my least favorite part was doing the vocals and then coming back into the room and having everybody, at this point you've kind of, you know, spit and sweat all over the, the vocal booth. And you come in kind of like, you know, heavy breathing. You've, you've, you felt like you accomplished something. And then they all kind of look at you like, cool. Like so unenthusiastically like, oh yeah, that's like way way to go, man. Um, or, or then take your, 
whatever lyric you 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 said there and been like oh hey did you say uh you're a complete fuck up there you're like no i didn't say that at all <laughs> or just make fun of your lyrics oh yeah that'll happen right <laughs> yeah i try to sit when, when i'm doing singing when i'm singing uh i try to mm-hmm. send everybody away most of the time less oh, really? less and less these days yeah it's just sure. easier yeah because they're number one they're loud in most of the studios that we work in don't but when we're just doing vocal tracking sometimes don't have the best isolation but sure. um, but yeah the uh it's just stressful doing the vocals you know because you're like i just play guitar in a band and i'm recording this record and then you have to go in the vocal booth and be like oh here's some poems i wrote and set to music with a melody and i want all of you grown men to hear it now you're like that's not normal many many normal people would listen to that circumstance and be like oh i don't want to do that mm-hmm. but then they don't realize that that is that's exactly what it's like playing in a band mm-hmm. yeah it's raw it's, it's an awful reality <laughs> right yeah. right it's like you know people are like what do you do for a living it's like oh i write songs in a horrible room with my friends and then record them tour it's weird right <laughs> Yeah. Right. And so, uh, you know, I, as you're obviously watching, you know, your, your, your legacy grow up before you with your, your kids and stuff like that. Um, how does it sit in your head in regards to, you know, once they start to get into stuff that doesn't make sense to you at all, um, mm-hmm. from either, you know, bringing home music or, or different ideas? Um, is that something that is, I wouldn't say concerning to you. Is it one of those things where you're trying to mentally prepare yourself in some capacity for that? Totally. Yeah. Like when my son comes home and he's a total like pro-life Republican or something like that. Yeah. That'll be (laughs) rotten. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to it just to see what rebellion looks like, you know, in a family like ours. Yeah. It's just going to be interesting because I can't really lie to him about, you know, not going to lie to him about what my life's been like or what I've done. So, He's gonna like ask about stuff, and I'll be like, "Well, here's the real deal. Here's what you gotta know. Here's here's what you shouldn't drink. Here's what you shouldn't shouldn't do during this time." Yeah, he'll <laughs> he'll rebel by being like, "No, Dad, no, I won't go out tonight. Right, I'm gonna study." <laughs> yeah. And you'll be like, "I didn't I didn't do that at all. <laughs> I don't yeah. understand what you're doing." Uh, the, the one last thing I want to hit on before I let you go is the, uh, more so a common theme of your, uh, your earlier musical career was, you know, the fact that, uh, I'm sure a lot of people just presumed you, you yourself were a complete drunk. Um, <laughs> is it, uh, is it one of those things that, that, I mean, obviously now because those, those records are older, it's probably less of a thing now, but, uh, did people, were people concerned like you had, uh, you know, a problem or like, oh, Jake, maybe you should, uh, maybe you should take it easy. Like, what was that? Was that a thing? Uh, it's more never really the, uh... come up. The thing, I mean, we were all just, you know, drinking buddies basically when the band got together. And so that kind of has continued since then. And it's, you know, when you're in a band on the road and you do have kind of access to a bunch of drinks all day, you're going to have a bunch of drinks. And so, you know, you know, we drink a lot and, Sometimes it's a problem and sometimes it's not. And sometimes people are quit and some, you know, sometimes people are on the wagon. Sometimes they're not. <laughs> so it's been a, uh, it's been a ever evolving well, yeah, process with, with, with you yeah, personally. With we, when did you yourself uh, stop being straight edge? Was that like, were, were you, was it 21? And then you're like, okay, that was, that was enough. I was probably like 22. Was it, was that a big deal for the, the friends that were surrounding you? Oh, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I think I, at the yeah, I, I can't even remember there was any impact at all, really. Right, right, right. Yeah. Or if, I mean, if there was, if there was, it was completely dulled by time. <laughs> yeah, 
something worse was happening. I don't know. I presume at this point the the band's focus is obviously for you know longevity and keeping keeping what you guys are doing you know exciting and interesting and relevant. Um, not even so much to the people on the outside, but probably for you guys individually. Is is it one of those things that structure of mine is the better now? Is it uh, you know kind of a a machine from that standpoint where it's like it's it's easy for you guys to exist in this or is it like constantly have to kind of push yourself to remind yourself to you know be creative and keep that keep that thing going yeah the creativity side especially with the kids and how busy that makes every i mean two other guys have two-year-olds or more so mm-hmm. there's uh always that struggle to be able to get together and and play music and you know find the time to sit down and strum a guitar so I mean, that's the biggest challenge creatively at this point is uh is just you know getting back into the swing of things just you know doing the doing the work while the uh, kids taking a nap instead of you taking a nap too right yeah do you find yourself being more uh i guess efficient with your time no no not at all no you, it's the complete opposite yeah it's like when I get a chance. I'm just like I sit and listen to our record. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's all I want. That's the max. Well, I, uh, I I have to say this is probably the the most uh, casual interview I've ever done. No oh, good. Which is good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I like it too. It's uh, yeah, kind of like uh, just us us getting to know one another. You know. Mm-hmm. Good deal. <laughs> so there. That was Jake. And like I said, it was uh, it was weird. You know, there was definitely not the typical conversation that I have on this show. But, you know, that's fine. These things are different. Visit the sponsor of the show. EnjoyTheRideRecords.com. Amazing vinyl. If you're into vinyl and you haven't visited their website, you're, you're doing something wrong. So visit them. Our producer and confidant, as always, is Tom Richfield. And he'll be in the States, like in like a week. And I'm really excited about that. We can hang. Shower him with gifts and back rubs and other ways of, of paying him back for all the sort of work that he puts into the show and uh, visit 100wordspodcast.com and um, yes I'll talk to you next week be safe everybody be safe